even though we started at the very same time, Alexander Hamilton began to climb. How to account for his rise to the top? Man, the man is nonstop. You're listening to Hamilton Shot by Shot. I'm your host, Brian. I'm your co-host, Rose. And today we are reviewing the song, Nonstop. It feels like this is a nonstop song because it's long enough, isn't it? Mm-hmm. How long is this one? About seven minutes, I think. Yeah, yeah. And that is technically it's song number, well, we got it as song number 24, don't we? Because uh, we did the um, interlude last time. So this is song number 24, nonstop, uh, begins at one hour and eight minutes mm-hmm. and 59 seconds. Mm-hmm. And as you said, it's approximately seven minutes long. What do you say, since it's such a long one, we just get right into it? Mm-hmm. All right. So this is actually performed by pretty much the entire cast. All the yeah. Ba- yeah. All the background people, too. It starts off right away with uh, both Hamilton and Burr discussing that after the war, they went back to New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, they both finish up their studies and practice law. Mm-hmm. I do like this part where Hamilton says, I practice law. Burr worked next door. <laughs> Almost <laughs> kind of like an insult to him. Yeah. A uh, little... little poke fun of him and then uh berg goes on to say even though we started at the very same time alexander hamilton began to climb how to account for his rise to the top man the man is non-stop so he already names drops the song right away mm-hmm. <laughs> or then the title i should say i actually got a little bit of information about this little bit already so because it's so long i'm going to kind of break it up and jump in with some facts as we go instead of at the end mm-hmm well, basically, both Burr and Hamilton took advantage of some provision that the New York State Legislature put in, in place to exempt people who left their studies in order to go fight in the revolution. So normally they would have had to do a three-year apprenticeship in a law office after graduating. But what they did is they, they said that they could um, basically just study one subject and then they could take the, the bar and become a lawyer. Hamilton in particular, he went to James Duane, who was his friend, and he borrowed his extensive law library and focused his study on Lord William Blackstone's Commentaries on the English Common Law. He studied for about six months independently on his own, and then he passed an oral exam of the bar. And so, and then he became a lawyer after about six months. Mm-hmm. Burr, um, his health was poor. Remember, he, he got out of the service because he was, uh, he suffered from ex- exhaustion, a few other things. Mm-hmm. So when his health permitted, he also uh, studied and then passed the bar in 1782. At once the British evacuated, both Hamilton and Burr set up their law offices in New York, New York City. Now, I can't confirm that Burr worked next door, but Hamilton did set up his offices on Wall Street which would go on to be important for Hamilton later, right? Mm-hmm. So they go right into this whole thing of Hamilton presenting a case to the jury. It's pretty neat how they do it. Like they have a, like they give him his jacket and he starts like he's orating to the, to the jury. Mm-hmm. And as a gentleman of the jury, I'm curious, uh, I'm curious, bear with me. Are you aware that we're making history? This is the first murder trial of our brand new nation, the Liberty Behind Deliberation, I intend to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt with my assistant counsel, co-counsel, uh, Burr, <laughs> Burr st- steps in. Hamilton, sit down. Our client, Levi Weeks, is innocent. Call no. your... Maybe I should say the names from now on. Levy Weeks. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you for calling me out on that. 
Well, it's it's spelled Levi like the jeans. Yeah, but Hamilton says Levy. Ah. So maybe that's how he pronounced his name. Maybe. Maybe he didn't want to. Maybe he has a sponsorship with Wrangler jeans and doesn't want to give Levi's any uh, any corporate money. Probably not. Endorsements. Oh, no. um, <laughs> All right. Go ahead. So Hamilton says Levy. Which Levy is Weeks. it now? Levy Weeks? Levy Weeks. You, you're making me mess up. <laughs> I he do that. He uh, says Levy Weeks is innocent. But I thought the jury was supposed to say whether the suspect is innocent or not. Correct. They come either a jury or a judge will come back with a verdict. Yeah. But Levy Weeks hired Hamilton Burr and another man to defend him. So that what are they going to say? Of course, my client is innocent. They're trying to convince the jury that he's innocent. So oh, they're, so they're not like deciding. No, no, no. In fact, okay. I have some information about that. If you're curious. I'm curious. <laughs> I'm not. I'm just well, kidding. I am. <laughs> well, we'll say before all that, basically Burr says, sit down, Hamilton. Our client's innocent. That's all you had to say. Show your first witness. But then Hamilton gets back up and he starts to say more things. But before he does that, because he goes, one more thing. I found some information about the people versus um, Levi, Levy, Levy mm-hmm. Weeks. It was uh, from the New York Courts.gov. And it's the first murder trial in the United States for which there is a formal record. There may have been another, but there's been no formal record. So this is the first documented one. So we can claim it's the first one. Essentially, in December of 1799, somebody named Elma Sands disappeared. She was dating Levi Levy. Oh, my God, I'm doing it so bad. Just call him Weeks. Weeks. It was dating Weeks. She was going, she left her like boarding home or wherever it was she was, she was staying, told somebody that she is off to secretly marry this man. She was gone for several days, and a young boy found her body. No, didn't find her body. Found her muff, which I'm assuming is some some part of her dress or, or, or something. I actually should have looked up what a muff is. Mm-hmm. But it's something she had been wearing in a Manhattan well. On January 2nd, 1800, they found her body in the well. So, of course, the spec- there was like rampant speculation that she was pregnant, and this guy killed her. Mm-hmm. All right, none of that, I don't think anything that was, there was nothing to prove that that was the case, that she was pregnant. Um, you said like 99 and 1800. I thought this was, this trial was in the 80s. They're, they're condensing and changing things around, right? Hamilton and Burr became lawyers in 1782, set up their offices in 1783. And then the first thing that they do on the show is go, hey, we're lawyers for this first murder trial. To make it think that it happened probably right after they set up law, right? Mm-hmm. Well, it happened like, what? 10 years later. About. Yeah, it's like 10, 15 years later. Mm-hmm. But again, we 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 know how that they, they change things around, condense things. I have some more information later on some, some things that are different as we go. Mm-hmm. But it was just interesting. So basically, a grand jury said, yeah, well, you should charge Weeks for the murder. So did you look up if he was actually innocent or not? I'll get to that. So. Okay. He had a prominent um, brother, you know, mm-hmm. and who kind of reached out and got three of uh, New York's most prominent attorneys, Henry Brock Livingston, Aaron Burr, and one Alexander Hamilton. They all represented him at the trial. And there was three judges, and the prosecutor was the assistant attorney general and future mayor of New York, Cadwalder David Colden. Just so there's a lot of prominent people in this like murder trial, mm-hmm. or would go on to be, you know. So, again, 
it's the first recorded murder trial in the U.S., and it took place on March 31st and April 1st, 1800. Hmm. So the state, you know, the attorney general is representing the state, the people. They basically just said that everything that they had was circumstantial. Like, they had no real evidence. It was like, well, you know, he was going to meet her, and he was probably, he was going to meet her, so. I thought, like, you couldn't just do that. You had to have evidence. Well. Or was that just something for back then? It's true. You saw, like, a grand, some, a grand, evidence was presented to uh, the grand jury. Mm -hmm. Evidence doesn't have to be as binding or, or, um. The grand jury has a little more leeway whether or not they want to decide. Things aren't the same way as an actual trial. I don't know all the details about it, but you could present something to a grand jury that may not be admissible in court later. So the grand jury gets together and says, I think there's enough here to go to an actual trial now. But in a trial, then you better have the right evidence and do everything the right way so that you can make sure you prosecute the person if you believe he's really guilty. He or she. In this case, they didn't really have a lot of evidence. Everything they had was just kind of, eh. And Hamilton, Burr, and all those guys, Weeks was able to produce witnesses to prove that he was with them that night. Um, so basically, the jury deliberated for about five minutes and acquitted him of all crimes. So he wasn't even, he was just like found innocent completely. Like he should have never been charged. Mm-hmm. And that was it. I mean, it was, that was, that was the trial. So he was innocent. He was in. He was innocent. That is correct. Now I just have a little bit. Uh, we'll get into Hamilton Burr and stuff like that. But uh, just Henry Brock Livingston. He was a, another another Revolutionary War patriot, and he was a classmate of James Madison. He also went to Princeton. Well, it wasn't Princeton back then. <laughs> he was in the Continental Army under at the Siege of Ticonderoga. He was an aide for General Benedict Arnold, and he was he witnessed John, uh, General John. Burgoyne's surrender in 1777. He was a diplomat for Spain. He was a secretary to John Jay, a name that, a name that will come up later. Um, so he's just a, a prominent guy as well. And he was also uh, one eventually appointed to the Supreme Court. Uh, well, the New York Supreme Court. And eventually, yes, the Supreme Court, Thomas Jefferson appointed him to the Supreme Court of the United States. Even though we don't really, he's not mentioned in the show. In real life, that was a prominent person that was with Hamilton and Burr. Just found that interesting when I when I learned that. But let's get back to the song. Burr has a question for everybody. Well, really for Hamilton. Mm-hmm. Why do you assume you're the smartest in the room? Because he thinks he is. He does think he is, doesn't he? Also, he must really want the answer because he, he says it like four or five times. Of course, it's a song. <laughs> Soon the attitude may be your doom. He's warned him about this, right? Mm-hmm. Wait, so um, like, why do you think he thinks he's the smartest? Um, I think he's trying to prove himself. Yeah, that makes sense. I'd say that too. I mean, I think he thinks he's smart, but I think he's trying to let everybody know that he's smart so that they, you know, again, he can, he's trying to rise up. The whole mm-hmm. song is called Nonstop. Yeah. You know, of course, why do you write like you're running out of time, write day and night like you're running out of time? Every day you fight like you're running out of time. But again, this is all because he's first nonstop, but he's also trying to prove himself. Mm-hmm. Writing was a way to get your thoughts down and, and out there to people. You couldn't just get it on TV. I mean, uh, you could if people had thought of this stuff sooner. Right, right. Maybe Ben Franklin could have like used a couple coconuts and, and like a kite to get the electricity and he could have like tuned in. 
so he, you know, keep on fighting in the meantime. So then Hamilton gets up. He's doing more speeches, right? Corruption, such an old song that we sing along in harmony. Nowhere is it stronger than in Albany. That's the capital of New York. Yeah, everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. The colony's economy is increasingly stalling, and honestly, what's that's why he, <laughs> public services seems to be calling. We talked a little bit about the Articles of Confederation and how just like it, it was kind of a mess. Mm-hmm. It was 13 colonies, 13 states now, basically being their own more or less independent country with a very weak government kind of binding them together. And like the finances were a mess and all that good stuff. I didn't get too much into, you know, any particular corruption in Albany, but you get a bunch of people with power and money together and eventually some somebody's going to get become corrupt. So yeah. it's an old song, you know, as he says. He's like, I practice law. I practically perfected it. I've seen injustice in the world and I've corrected it. Now for a strong central democracy, it's not, if not, then I'll be Socrates throwing verbal rocks at these mediocrities. Do you know who Socrates is? Mm-mm. Or as uh, his friends like to call him, Socrates? I feel like I heard that before, but I don't know. Have you heard Socrates before or Socrates before? Socrates. Do you remember a movie where a couple idiots go back in time and take Socrates forward in a phone booth so that they could save, so they could graduate English class, um, uh, history class with Keanu Reeves? I think you watched it. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. They called him- I don't remember anything about that. No? I swear you watched it. I did, but I don't remember it. They, One of the people they decide to get to help them pass their uh, presentation that they have to do for history class was Socrates because he was a Greek philosopher. Uh, I think he was born in 40, 470 BCE, died in 399 BCE in Athens. He was just a philosopher, talk, you know, talked a lot about ways of life and you know, it, it, he influenced Western philosophy big time. Those guys were idiots, and it's spelled Socrates, so they kept calling him Socrates. <laughs> but anyway, that's all about him. And uh, mediocrity, that's just a the quality or state of being mediocre. But I think this is more what he means. A person of mediocre ability. And then sometimes it's like, used plurally, it's like, oh, you're surrounded by mediocrities, like just a bunch of people who are subpar or not too bright or don't have good abilities. Mm -hmm. He's more or less saying like, if I'm not going to get into public service, I'll just, I'll keep challenging people who aren't up to his level more or less. So uh, one thing I notice about, you know, and this will come up later when, when Burr and Hamilton are discussing a plan that Hamilton has. And he mentions that Burr's a better lawyer than him. But up here it says he was a good lawyer and he, and he practically perfected it right so i I, in one of these like new york court websites i found that that talked about you know people who worked in new york in the bar and all that hamilton was recognized as an outstanding practitioner and argued many cases before the new york supreme court and the supreme court of the united states he didn't do a lot of court cases like like the trial but sometimes if he saw some sort of injustice or whatever he would do something pro bono for free basically but a lot of times what he did is he just represented like big business or a particular person or like a trading rights and, uh, you know, contracts, stuff like that. But he did, he did a lot. So now this part's funny. Hamilton at the Constitutional Convention. 
I was chosen for the Constitutional Convention. <laughs> like, he gets all giddy and, like, uh, Lin-Manuel does that pretty funny, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, and everybody gets a kick out of it in the, in the audience when you're watching the, the show. Now, and of course, then he, he gets there. He was the junior delegate. I think three delegates from New York were picked to go to the Constitutional Convention. Now, originally, when that Constitutional Convention was, was um, created, it was not to create the Constitution. It was to fix the Articles of Confederation. But once they all got there, they were like, this is a mess. We're just throwing it all out and starting over again. So that's how they ended up with that. Now, Hamilton got there, and, and you know, Burr gets into this, starts proposing his own form of government, his plan for a new form of government, uh, talks for six hours, the convention is listless, and then some guy goes, yeah, who the F is this? <laughs> Which is funny. Hamilton did get up and propose almost like a monarchy. That's what people accused it, accused him of. He wanted a strong central government. He wanted the people to elect certain like electors from, the, I think, the state, and then they would elect a president. But the president would stay there for life. So they're like, yeah, you're basically, you know, not letting the you're not voting for the for the president yourself. You're voting for the people who are going to vote for the president. And then he gets to stay there for his whole life. Doesn't sound really good. I don't think it really went anywhere, of course, you know, as he was saying, the convention was listless. Mm-hmm. Burr criticizes Hamilton again about why do you always say what you believe? <laughs> and as we know, Burr is the opposite of that. He keeps everything close to the chest. So he's like, everything you you know say is free ammunition for your enemies. And of course, he gets into the whole, you write like you're going out of style and all that good stuff. Then we get to this other part where it's Burr and Hamilton are having a good discussion again about hey you're a better lawyer than me it's the middle of the night by the way <laughs> and uh he's got a legal matter and he's like yeah he goes i got who's your who's your you know who's your client do you think he actually went to his house in the middle of the night i don't even think this happened i, I i'm not sure that happened at all actually I, I i didn't see anything about burr being approached to write this write these um Let's just spoil it. The Federalist Papers. This is what what happens later into the song. Burr will explain what the Federalist Papers are, and I guess we'll save that for then. But he basically wants them to write a series of anonymous essays defending the new Constitution. Burr is reluctant to do that because, as we know as a character trait, he's waiting for it. He's keeping everything inside. He doesn't want to say what he believes. He wants to maybe see which way the wind blows and then go that way. Hamilton, on the other hand, believes in something, so he's going to do it, right? Mm-hmm. And he believes in the Constitution. Mm-hmm. He's like, it's a mess. And he goes, so it needs amendments. Mm-hmm. Do you know what amendments he could be talking about? You ever heard of the Bill of Rights? Everybody's heard of that. Right. The first 10 amendments. Mm-hmm. The Constitution wasn't going to get ratified until they decided to, until some, you know, they're like, look, we want some extra precautions to say, hey, you're not going to, the government's not going to trample on the citizens. And they came up with the Bill of Rights, probably the most important one, which is the First Amendment, which is the free speech, right to gather, petition the government, and practice religion, and also stating that the government will not set up a church. Because in, in London, a lot of people, not London, but in England, a lot of the reason people left and came to America was because they had to follow the religion of the king. It was like a law. Mm-hmm. And they don't. They want to do their own thing, and they didn't, they didn't want to. So they came here where they could do their own thing. There was a lot of different religions here, and they they were all Christian basically at that point. But 
don't quote me on that. I'm sure there was others, but I'm gonna <laughs> exactly. But I mean, predominantly, but there was all these different denominations in the way you do it. So they didn't want anyone to tell you you had to do it this way. We know where both men stand. Hamilton cannot understand why Burr won't defend what he believes in because he asked him flat out, do you believe in this constitution? Yes. Then why don't you defend it? Because he's like, what if you're wrong? <laughs> but again, this is this them throughout the whole show, right? That's when we kind of get back into, well, we get we get a little bit of reprise of the wait for it, you know, like because he's willing to wait for it. Mm-hmm. So Burr again explains kind of his thoughts and he's waiting to see which way the wind blows. I kind of mentioned that already and all that. In walks Angelica and she's walking arm in arm with Hamilton. She's explaining to him that she's off to London and she's going to be accompanied by somebody who always pays. She's finally found a husband. He's wealthy, which is why she couldn't be with Hamilton earlier in Satisfied. Yeah. He's going to keep her in a comfort, but all his days, but she's basically, he's boring. She's calling him my Alexander. And she's like, don't forget the right and all that. And then I like this, what they do on the stage. She's like, don't forget the right. And it starts um, turning the stage. So it's pulling her away from him and they're reaching their arms out to each other. But at the same time, uh, Eliza's on the turntable too and she's getting closer to Hamilton and she's like oh if, you know the whole thing about like just stay alive and that would be enough and you know if I could ease your mind as your wife and would that be enough and so that's when Burr comes back and discusses what the Federalist Papers are he said James Madison will meet him in a little bit actually John Jay they go ahead and write a series of essays defending the new constitution of the United States entitled The Federalist Papers. The plan was to write two, 25 essays each. I'm kind of paraphrasing the lyrics at this point. They were, the work was divided was supposed to be divided evenly among the three men. In the end, they wrote 85 essays. And I like what they do when they explain this. They got three chairs set up, Hamilton's one of them. John Jay got sick after writing five, and they turn his chair around, the light goes out. James Madison wrote 29. They do the same thing. And then he's like, Hamilton wrote the other five. 51 like he's like just flabbergasted like, like uh, Hamilton wrote like most of them and just made up for the fact that John Jay couldn't help <laughs> and he's like how do you write so much like he can't figure out and why do you write like you're running out of time it just goes on and on about that right so I want to stop there and I want to go back real quick so I got a little bit of information about the man who Angelica married his name was John Baker Church she was actually married to him before Hamilton ever met her. So they completely changed things to make a, a love triangle in this. I didn't know that when we first started this podcast, right? He was one of Hamilton's like good buddies too. Angelica was a, a confidant and a friend, but so was this guy. In fact, he ended up giving the pistols that Hamilton used to duel Burr came from John Baker Church. Like they were buddies for a long time. And she'd already been, so yeah, she had married him in like June 1777, a full three years before uh, Hamilton married Angelica's sister Eliza in, in 1780. I won't get into him too much. Uh, I'll, I'll link the article about him if anybody's interested, but it's, you know, I just found that fascinating. Did you know that? No. <laughs> There's a lot of lot of stuff that they take liberties with, don't they? Mm-hmm. You know, for, a, for a show about liberty, <laughs> they're taking a lot of liberties just real quick about, you know, we'll get into James Madison more as we meet him for real. But um, John Jay was the first Supreme Court justice, the first chief justice of the United States. He was uh, very prominent in getting the Treaty of Paris done. And he also 
helped negotiate the British uh, recognizing American independence. Moving on, all of a sudden now in comes in George Washington saying they're asking me to lead because, of course, he got elected unanimously as president once the Constitution was ratified. And he's saying, hey, he's like, trying to be all coy, like Hamilton, I know you're comfortable in your life. I know I'm asking a lot. And Hamilton's just like, treasury or state, right away, treasury or state. He just keeps going. He's like, treasury or state, treasury, let's go. And that's a funny moment, too. Everybody laughs at the let's go. Mm-hmm. Now, and I have a question for you about this. So Eliza comes in and she's like, sternly, Alexander. And he's like, I have to leave. She's like, Alexander. Like, she's getting more and more like, and then look around, you know, how lucky you know, she's like singing. And then she starts singing helpless. Like, she's helpless to keep him there almost. And then even uh, Angelica pops up with satisfied. She's like, he'll never be satisfied. And they're like, both singing helpless and unsatisfied. And he's like, no, I'm going off to do this. And then, of course, then Burr's asking why he's the smartest in the room. But like, the whole case, the whole, it's like, everybody's now singing, like, multiple songs all at once, crescendoing into, like, this mess of all the songs mixed in. Mm-hmm. So my question for you, Rose, is do you think Eliza was really upset with Hamilton in real life? No. Yeah, I just don't see that. Have you read anything beyond, like, I haven't gotten that far in the book in order to see, like, once they, you know, like, passed the revolution or anything like that. Nothing popped up in my, you know, Google searches to find out, like, her thoughts on him going off to to do that. I just can't see her trying to hold him back from doing that. I I feel like she would have totally supported him. She'd probably be used to that. Well, true. She might not have been, I mean, she might have been happy having him home in New York I mean, granted, the Capitol was in New York at that time, so it's not like she was he was going far. It's not like he was going to Washington, D.C. He was staying in the same town, but that's a lot, you know, of extra work, probably above and beyond what he was doing as a lawyer. For story purposes, I, I like that she's just kind of like, I'm just kind of here, even though, you know, you're trying to climb and I'm with you, but you're going to do it regardless, with, with or without me, more or less. That's kind of how I took it. Mm-hmm. How, what, what did you what do you think do you think she was really mad like on the show too then and like that's how i took it like do you have any thoughts on what how eliza was reacting it and maybe now on the show like didn't she sound upset to you or no yeah she did because even the fact that she was saying helpless and then like angelica's popping in like yeah you're deadbeat he's not deadbeat but like your husband is just he's never gonna be satisfied and it's like two sisters kind of just talking smack about the husband no. Kind of like Patty and Selma. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> of course, they're asking him, you know, why are you fight like you're running out of time and all that good stuff? Washington's like, hey, history has your eyes on you. Don't forget that. Mm-hmm. You know. And of course, we get a nice callback to I am not throwing away my shot. And then people are saying, just you wait, which is from the first song, Alexander Hamilton. Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Right, because you know why? Because then it goes right in. He's like, I'm not throwing away my shot. It's like building like he's like, defiantly telling everybody this is my shot back off i'm doing this i'm non-stop after all right mm-hmm. and he's like i'm alexander hamilton that's you know because like front and it does the same song and it says hamilton just you wait he, he goes up the stairs gets side by side right you know right with the as, as the right hand man of washington and he just proclaims to everybody i am not throwing away my shot and then it's like boom and then, like, lights out, everybody claps, cheers, end of the um, end of the act, actually. Mm-hmm. So we made it to the halfway point. Yeah. 
What do you think about that? I think I really liked Act 1, but Act 2 is probably better. What do you like about Act 1? Um, Any, anything that jumps out and you want to maybe highlight? I really like how it shows like Hamilton's progress in life. And my favorite song out of all of them? I don't know. There's a lot of good ones. I actually kind of like um, Helpless or Satisfied. Probably Satisfied. Okay. And what are you looking forward to most about Act 2? Like what song? Anything. A song, um, character choices, just, just anything. that you know. Is there anything in particular? Change in characters? Yeah, that's what I'm excited to see and talk about. I'm excited to see the rest of Hamilton's life. And um, my favorite song in Act 2 is probably Burn. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> yeah, because I said it before. <laughs> right. But it's it, it's a darn good song, isn't it? Yeah. There's some really good songs in, in Act 2. Yeah. We're going to have some fun discussions, I think, once we get to Act 2. I'm going uh, to miss some of the characters yeah. in Act 1. I'm going to miss Lafayette. I'm going to miss John Lawrence. I'm not going to miss the actors. They'll be back. But um, I am going to miss those two i like them a lot mm-hmm. going through this this time with you i i don't think i really cared for lafayette before yeah and i've always preferred david diggs doing um david diggs i did it again david diggs i always preferred his portrayal as jefferson but i really liked lafayette this time around yeah i think doing this format really i don't know i just got to focus on him a lot and then learning about lafayette the man like the real life person Mm-hmm. fascinating i wish i wanted to know more about him yeah well actually we, we didn't talk about non-stop so what is your thoughts on the actual song of non-stop i love it a lot it's pretty long for a song mm-hmm. but it's still really good it's catchy and i would rate it maybe a 7.5 out of 10 that's pretty solid i think when we had uh blake on we we kind of talked about how yorktown seemed like that should have been the end yeah. And this is all just kind of kind of set up for Act 2, which I could have seen this being maybe the first song of Act 2. I could see it being the first song of Act 2 in like the beginning and middle, but at the end of Nonstop, that seemed like it would be a good stopping point. That's true, because watching Yorktown, the way it ends, you're like, you know, we won, we won, they're all celebrating. Boom, that's, I mean, boom, the, the, the light should go down. The first time we watched Hamilton, you actually thought that was when the intermission was going to be. <laughs> I, I thought for sure because it just seemed so obvious, but it, mm-hmm. it wasn't. But anyways, going into watching, you know, when you watch it nonstop, I can understand why it's the end because it calls back to so many of the songs. Mm-hmm. We've already talked about a few, mm-hmm. but a lot of songs from Act 1 get referenced in this one song. That's I think that's partly why. I, I think all of them do. They might. They, they honestly, I didn't go, I actually meant to do that. I meant to like kind of like write it down. I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if you're right that every single song gets referenced in some capacity. I counted it one time when I watched Hamilton and it was every song, I think. It makes sense. It makes sense. Every, you know, it's like a, a reprise, I guess, sort of. Kind of. Kind of, not really. A remix yeah. version. Yeah, like a remix, yeah. But. Especially because he's now got some a new position in life, so it kind of sets up where he's going with the joining Washington in his cabinet and all that. 
I like that it's like I'm not throwing away my shot. It ends like his whole story starts with him getting a shot, you know, and he's not going to throw it away once he gets to New York. Then this act ends with, hey, I got another shot to go even further up the ladder. And he literally climbs the stairs up to Washington. He's above everybody. He's got the high ground now. It's over. It's not a ladder, so it doesn't make sense. Well, no, but it's he's going up the stairs, right? It's yeah. literally up the stairs. Yeah. He's now has rised above his station. He is now with Washington again in a very prominent, important position in the government. And he's, as he said, he's like declaring, I am not throwing away my shot. It's just the way it just builds to that. It's great. Mm-hmm. I still think Yorktown is more, yeah, but I can, I can see why this is like, a statement, you know, and then it's like ends and it's like it goes into the intermission. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I'll give this one. Uh, I like Yorktown better, you know, for sure of everybody in there. But I like the, all the callbacks. I like everybody singing together. I like the whole cat. The whole cast is involved. Yeah. Um, actually, you know who isn't? Who? I don't think I ever really spot Hercules Mulligan doing anything yeah. in that. And actually, Yorktown doesn't get reference in this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right, but it doesn't need to. So, but yeah. but all the stuff from the very beginning gets a call back. Yeah. Yeah, so I'll, I'll give it like, I'll, I'll go with you 7.5, two thumbs up. Mm-hmm. How many Rotten Tomatoes? We're just going to come up with different. <laughs> I'd give it one and a half thumbs up. But on like certain podcasts, I've heard people say like, um, for example, I'd give it 7.5 Hamilton's running upstairs. Ah. Like we should start doing that. Okay. Let, all right, I like that. Let's in Act Two. We're gonna we'll uh, we'll come up with something. Yeah. Well, all right. What would you give it for that? Um, I would say that this one, song is one of the smartest in the room. So I'll give it. They say it about seventy-five times. So I'll do seven point five smartest in the room. <laughs> no. <laughs> that. Well, you'll get it eventually. Okay, I'm working on it. It's, wait, 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 this is actually literally live work in progress. So, <laughs> not until you edit it. Right, Rose. Fun fact: you got one. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. <laughs> it's pretty obvious because I wrote those these fun facts like at the before we started podcasting when I didn't know anything about podcasting. So, um, nonstop is the longest song in Hamilton. And well, that's a fun fact, isn't it? Yeah. It's uh It's a boring fact, not a fun fact. Ah, it's fun. I you know, honestly, I knew it was a long song, but I don't think I've ever actually paid attention to the length of each song. I know there's a couple other long ones, so there you go. Um so from now on, I'm going to have three different kind of kinds of facts. Yeah. Uh boring facts, fun facts, and sad facts. <laughs> All right. I'll let you announce which uh which uh segment we're doing each time. <laughs> Most of them will probably be boring. <laughs> I think they're fun. But um, all right. Well, I had some fun doing act one with you so far. Me too. I'm looking forward to act two. Me too. Although I'm not the smartest in the room, we are running no. out of time. No, I am. We're podcasting like we're running out of time because this yeah. is a long episode. Yeah. Unlike Hamilton, he may be nonstop. We aren't, so we are now going to stop. If Hamilton was really nonstop, even after he's dead, like right now... Wouldn't he be still going? If it was nonstop, then like that's nonstop is another way of saying never stopping. True. So however, if he, he was truly never stopping. Yeah, well, he uh he was running out of time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he will run out of time eventually. Valid point. 
I don't have an answer. <laughs> so maybe he is in his grave right now. Uh, maybe he's still writing. Now I have. Um, he got buried with some paper. <laughs> probably, kind of like when, uh, like uh, kings and like Viking kings and, and Egyptians and all that. They they bury him with things they're going to need in the afterlife and yeah. Hamilton needs a pen and quill, you know, and mm-hmm. ink so he can write. One thing I, I um, have noticed though, a little little thing I noticed about this. It's ironic a little bit that this song is called Nonstop and then they stop for an intermission. Yeah. That <laughs> I didn't notice that before, but yeah. Yeah, it's literally a stopping point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's what yeah, that that's what's up next, the intermission before you get into act 2. Thank you for listening to Hamilton Shot by Shot. You can find us at Hamilton Shot by Shot on Facebook and Instagram and Hamilton underscore SBS on Twitter. Hopefully everybody was satisfied. And, uh, You're not going to say all the songs now, are you? Oh, my goodness. I don't think I have enough uh, brain capacity to, uh, to to work it all in on the fly. So we'll just see everybody after the intermission, brief intermission. What are you going to do if they don't? Gonna deliver I will never be satisfied. At midnight. If, huh? You're going to deliver 30 pizzas to their house at midnight. Right. <laughs> no. <laughs> pineapple yeah. pizzas. Oh, uh, maybe I'll have to eat No, one. pineapple pizzas are bad. Come on back. After your brief intermission, and we'll start Act Two. As he says, corruption is such an old song that we can sing along with in harmony. Oh, I already said that. All right, so. Moving on. You're getting old. I know, right?